0: This is Hashtag Authentic, a podcast for creatives online. I'm Sarah Tasker and this is episode 37. So my guest this week is the author and broadcaster, Anna Gannon. And I'm saying author and broadcaster because that's what she calls herself. But like so many of my guests on here, and like a lot of you guys listening, she's got this brilliant, multifaceted career that really defies one name or just one title. What she is, though, without a doubt, is someone who has used the internet to have her voice heard and really is a springboard to success. Emma's first book, Control-Alt-Delete, came out in 2016 to lots of critical acclaim, and her podcast of the same name has taken the charts by storm ever since. Now finishing work on her second book, we talk today about success and money, multi-hyphenated careers and our shared experiences
1: and observations of carving one out. Hello Emma. Hello, how are you?
0: I am good, how are you today?
1: Good, this is obviously... A slightly different approach to my normal podcasting. I'm normally hosting it so this is nice to be a guest.
0: Yeah I was gonna say that you can sit back and relax but actually you've probably got to do
1: more of the talking. Yeah it's funny it's just um, I've learned actually how to not talk as much on a podcast because I guess whenever I've got a guest on I'm like no they want it just hear the guest. But actually, what I love about your podcast, and I was just saying how much I love it, is actually it's so much of a conversation, isn't it? And I and I think some of the guests ask you questions as well, which I will probably do.
0: Well, feel free, I can't promise to have the answers. But yeah, it's, it's really nice. I think this is what I was saying with Dolly, or Dolly was saying with me, that a space where women can just have conversations that are heard is a rare thing.
1: Yeah, so true. It's so true. The Pool did a really lovely piece on podcasting recently, and one of the points was... Um, it's a place where you don't have to worry about being interrupted because <laughs> i'm on a I'm on a lot of panels with like a lot of men in suits, and it's just nice to be able to feel really, really heard and you don't have to rush to get everything out.
0: And actually, you know, as a parent of a four-year-old, it's kind of a very similar environment. You never never get to finish a thought, let alone like me and my husband try and have a conversation. We never get to the conclusion. So actually, recording podcasts are like the most chilled up conversations in my day.
1: Yeah, they're amazing.
0: (laughs) Actually, we should introduce you to anybody who hasn't come across you before how do you introduce yourself to someone that's never come across your
1: work yeah well this change this changes quite a lot actually Mm -hmm. depending on kind of what room I'm in because I guess I've got so many different job titles that I sort of don't ever reel them off but I I sort of adapt and change like a bit of a chameleon wherever I am but um, I've whittled it down now, I, I I kind of introduce myself as an author and a broadcaster because I feel like those two things really allow me they're like umbrellas yeah. to spell out, I guess, all the other stuff. So author, I guess, I guess covers the fact that I've got a book out and I'm I'm writing my second one at the moment, the blog, the magazine articles, um, all the writing that I do kind of for TV and stuff behind the scenes. And then broadcaster, I guess, is where the podcast comes in and also radio, like I'm doing a lot more sort of traditional radio stuff now, which is quite funny because there's such a parallel between doing stuff online and then you kind of get snapped up by more traditional outlets. So like the blog to a book deal and podcasting to like going on Woman's Hour. It's kind of very bizarre, but um, I'm embracing it all.
0: Woman's Hour is the dream, by the way. Quite jealous about that one.
1: (laughs) It was so fun, but I also felt lucky that I've got to a point now where I find doing the podcast has taught me a lot about not really being nervous because I'm so used to being behind a microphone and I know it's not the same as going live on Woman's Hour but I think without doing like a hundred episodes of my podcast I think I would have just been so intimidated in that room but I was actually fine.
0: Oh, I actually haven't listened to it yet, Is it, has it already been on?
1: Yeah it's um, it's the section on side hustles which they wanted to do for January because you know new year new project sure and um it was funny because they sort of said don't use the word side hustle because maybe our audience won't know what that is which I didn't really agree with I thought I think that's quite like a mainstream word now but it just shows just how much um I guess what we've been doing for a long time is is kind of filtering into so many other generations especially women who are older than us who perhaps didn't have the same opportunities with tech at the beginning and now they're thinking oh I could do that too.
0: Yeah it's exciting and it it does feel like especially a movement for women obviously the opportunities are there for everybody but would you agree that it seems like a female kind of hearted movement?
1: I think so yeah I think I think for so long women have had to be put in a box and I and I still get that now I still get people asking me what I do and when I say a myriad of things they kind of think oh I want to I want to put you in some sort of box or I want to give you some mm. sort of title and, and I don't know if people do that with men as much I think it's just kind of it's almost uneasy to have someone so confident with doing multiple things but then I guess women have always been so many different things at once and that's what we're good at it's a good thing but I think for me I don't have as many role models for being this like multi-hyphenate person like whenever I think of who I am inspired by it's always people oh my god it's such random people it's people like Ricky Gervais (laughs) or like someone like that who you know has a podcast does films does Um, stand-up all that stuff I love that he's just all these things whereas when you when it comes to a woman you you kind of want to be like oh she's just this so I guess someone like Nora Ephron I really um, Mm. am inspired by because I think she's she's always been multiple things she's always been a director and a writer and a columnist and she she doesn't have to just pick one yeah she's not had to reinvent
0: herself into different guises she's just kind of kept them all running concurrently yeah I like that so multi-hyphen, which is the name of your book, right? That's coming up.
1: Yeah. So I've written a book called The Multi-Hyphen Method, which comes out in May. And um, yeah, it's just been such a natural sort of idea. I've, I've been thinking about it for a long time and I have I was actually going to call it something to totally different um, even a few months ago. And it's just one of those things that um it's just been sort of what's the word like marinating in my mind for so long and finally I've kind of come to this to this book and now I've written it I really do feel confident with what it is but yeah it took a while to to get down on paper but essentially yeah it's looking at a practical look at how to be a multi-hyphenate I think It's a hard one because I didn't invent this. Like everyone's been doing it for years. Like a portfolio career is actually, um, well, it was coined. That term was coined in the 80s. Really? Yeah, it's been it's, it's kind of not a new thing at all. I haven't invented anything new, but I do think that there isn't enough out there to help us, especially when I think of university students and people at school now and a lot of the people that get in touch with me. I don't think there is a career book out there right now just sort of really laying out why it's important to have lots of different multiple strings to your bow from like a real sort of future of work, looking at the context of the economy and the world we're living in at the moment and all the changes that are going on. But also something that's really practical, really well researched and really confidence boosting, because I think we're going through a bit of a confidence crisis at the moment where people do have the tools and we've got amazing tools out there. I mean, your your courses that you offer are incredible, things like that. People do have the tools, but I think there's still this lack of self-confidence. Yes. And I and I hope that's not just women. I mean, I hope that it's no one's, you know, no one's feeling underconfident. But unfortunately, I do think it is ma- mo- mostly women. Well, that's who contacts me anyway.
0: Same. Well, yeah, and self-belief is kind of a an undercurrent in a lot of these episodes because it is the problem... That comes up most frequently with the women I speak to. But I don't think we've ever really been encouraged to have an awful lot of self belief in ourselves as professionals, as kind of agenda.
1: Yeah. And I read this crazy stat once that it was like over 80% of women have said that they have an idea, but under 20% of women actually go and do it. And it was just, the kind of the difference between those two numbers really shocked me but actually didn't shock me I was like oh god I can believe that which is really annoying and and sad but um but yeah it's 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 kind of half kind of theory and like I get really sort of into why it's a bit of a rally and cry really for sort of this movement but also a lot of it I think it needs to be really practical and that's what I wanted so it's very very sort of you can Instagram kind of tips and um, there's lots of charts and graphs and like handwritten drawings and um, yeah, I'm really excited about it. I just think it's going to open conversations. And I think that's what books should do. I don't think a book should be this one size fits all solution. I just think it's a starting point for conversations and events and podcasts and workshops and just really moving forward.
0: Yes. Like my whole, I'd say my whole kind of motivation for everything I do is that when I built this business sort of by accident and then I turned around and looked at it and I was like, why did nobody tell me that this was possible? And I feel like your book would have told me it was possible if it had been out.
1: Yeah, and I love the fact that with what you do, I love that you're not based in London and and that you you do things from your kind of corner of where you live. And it's kind of, it, it really proves that actually well that's why a lot of people go into this industry is actually we want more flexibility we want more freedom and we want to be in environments that make us happy
0: absolutely and kind of yeah London living is not easy it's expensive it's busy it's hectic it wouldn't suit me at all I like to pop by and say hello but then escape but you're London based aren't you
1: I am yeah and I do I've always been a bit of a city girl I grew up in the countryside and as Uh, much as I love that I also took it for granted (laughs) I went home for Christmas and um, when I see it through my new kind of adult eyes I think you're so lucky that you got to grow up you know like 10 minute drive from the beach and fresh air and lovely people and a slow pace of life but something about it it was it was just too slow for me. Yeah. Um. And I who knows where I'll want to live in the future. But for now, I love the fact that I can just have really random meetings in central London and sort of meet people at events. And um. But the thing with this book actually is my real aim for it and what success will mean for this book isn't necessarily, you know, glossy magazine articles like talking about it. It's kind of people everywhere taking something from it and I think it's quite dangerous if you get caught up in your own bubble and I know we're all in our own bubbles mm. but I think the London bubble is something that you need to be really careful that you don't get sort of caught up in it too much.
0: A friend of mine said this to me the other day because she's based in Manchester and, and she was sort of talking about the London bubble and how there's, it feels like there's not that many of us outside of it but of course we're everywhere and it's so true that like a lot of the people I will speak to on my podcast tend to kind of come from a, a journalism background and kind of this similar strands going through it all but equally there's people I'm talking to in my day-to-day who are like still working in education and have a craft business on the side or a full-time parent and have a dream of making pottery or kind of it's a really varied kind of the idea of a multi-hyphen career or of a side hustle fits into pretty much everybody's life
1: yeah and I absolutely love some of the more crazy case studies I've got in the book just people who you think I can't believe you have those two jobs together and you make it work. And it's just, it's really feel good because I think none of us is just one thing. And whenever we go anywhere and have to introduce ourselves, I think we should be able to introduce ourselves in ways that isn't just hiding behind like one fancy job title. I think we're all more interesting than our jobs. I think we've all got things that we were good at as children that actually we forgot about because yeah. we got it like beaten out of us in adulthood like no you must go and have a job and that's just your identity now proper job yeah and I like the idea of our identity as being totally sort of yeah multi-hyphenate because whenever I sort of introduce what I do I guess I'll always sort of say what I do for a job but I'll also say what I'm interested in outside of work and I think in some networking events especially in London that it's just a sort of clashing of egos like everyone just wants to out each other with like <laughs> how fancy their job is and I just think I hope this book opens up more conversation and more nuance for people being nicer to each other and and ta- and having proper conversations
0: It's funny because when I left my day job in the NHS, like I had a really clearly defined role. I could tell people in one sentence what I did and it kind of made them think. So I worked in speech therapy with children with special needs. So there was all of this like kudos that was sort of not necessarily deservingly heaped on me just with that one explanation, like, oh, how that must be so rewarding, et cetera, et cetera. So to leave that and be like, oh, now I'm like an Instagrammer mm-hmm. felt like a really difficult thing. Like you're saying, I had to kind of unlatch my ego from my job title and make those two separate things.
1: That's what I had, yeah. And that's what a lot of people ask me about, they, that when they say I oh, really want to make the jump from working at this big company to going solo. And it's it makes it sort of is interesting to me that that becomes before the money worries. Yeah. It's like how will people perceive me as yeah. a real worry. I mean, when I worked at Condé Nast, which was obviously a dream job in some ways. We've all watched the Devil wears Prada and <laughs> and I and I like little me was like, "Oh my god, that's so cool. You got a job in London at Condé Nast." Like that is that was a real highlight for me in my career. But when I soon realized that actually, it wasn't really the dream job for me, it was mm. definitely someone's dream job. But my dream job is is what I'm doing now for sure. But I totally could tell the difference between introducing myself. And it was so gross in a way, because you shouldn't introduce yourself. And then people just be like, Oh, my God, wow, it's so cool. Because
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's just not a real connection. And that's what I think like fake networking uh, situations really perpetuate yeah but yeah it's 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 a real confidence booster in the long run when you know that you can go anywhere and just say what you do and you know that you're happy with it and I think that's just the difference between outward success and your own internal barometer for success because
0: self-belief again
1: yeah, because it's some things look good on paper and some things don't. But the things on paper can make you feel a bit icky.
0: Yeah, if you need a job title to hide behind, there's probably something you've not, you've not totally worked out in your own head.
1: Exactly. Yeah, and there's a lot in the new book actually about really how to define success for yourself. And I think that's a really, a really good conversation that's that's really happening at the moment. Is just the dictionary, the dictionary definition of success is um is still power fame money but I don't think that's what we really think is successful anymore
0: it's not what we want it's not what makes a happy life
1: no not at all for most of us well exactly some people definitely want that and that is really great but I also think that yeah it's just whatever works works for us and I think it can go both ways because I think this this talk about sort of self-care is incredible and it's definitely changed my life kind of being kind to myself but I also feel like on the other side of that sometimes you can get kind of work shaming where people really shame people for like working too long and being workaholics and loving their job and it's like I just find that hopefully you know what I've really tried to look out for in the book is just not going too extreme with either with <laughs> either um opinion on that because it's all about finding the balance that works for you right and it's
0: totally individual and it can change like I think sometimes you need a year or two where your work might be your obsession to get it out of your system and then maybe that means you can take your foot off the gas for a while and it's just different for everybody.
1: Yeah oh my god that's so true. Yeah we go through huge changes don't we um, and, and success changes. I, I think probably two years ago what made me feel successful is probably totally different than what, than what makes me feel really good about myself now.
0: Well, and that's the thing with success, isn't it, is that you kind of set yourself a goal and you reach it and then you're like, oh, well, this doesn't really feel like success. So I need to reach my next goal now. Or is that just me? Yeah.
1: And no, that's definitely true. And it's really funny you say that because I actually had to kind of have a bit of a talk with myself recently about sort of where my ambition really, truly is, because it's great that I'm getting all these opportunities and I'm doing, you know, incredible things because people are asking me to do them and that's great. But I kept thinking to myself, like, do I actually want this? Or is this just something that's being offered to me? Because when you reach a goal and then you sort of feel like you need another goal, why not sit back and reflect on the fact that you've just reached that goal for like a little bit longer? And I kind of just wanted to do that. I just wanted to kind of think I don't have to be busy all the time. I could just say, I've done that thing. I'm going to take a little bit of a break now because I think it's very easy to get kind of get wrapped up into what I should do or what another person sh- thinks I should do. When actually I have friends who sit down and sometimes they say to me, I'm actually not very ambitious. Is that bad? I'm like, no, mm-hmm. that's fine. You you do what you need to do, because I think there's been a lot in the media and in magazines about women and ambition and how being ambitious is amazing. But actually, for a lot of people, ambition is not success.
0: Yeah, they're not the same thing.
1: No. I mean, it could be actually that you you want to have like a massive family and you don't really want to work that much because success to you is based very much in the home. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's so many different variations of what su- success is. And I think multi-hyphenate really um encapsulates all of those different things because I think a side hustle doesn't have to be this like a money-making startup idea it could be that you like go and teach a yoga class every Tuesday afternoon that's still a side hustle because it's still something that makes you feel good about yourself and adds to your mixture of work
0: because this whole business started as a side hustle for you is that right in saying
1: Yes, definitely. So I definitely went into the working world totally um, young, naive, but also thinking I've got to do this the traditional way. Like I would never in a million years have quit, not quit, graduated university and um, been like, I'm going to be a freelancer. Like that was just not my style Mm -hmm. at all. And I also find that a lot of younger people do ask me for advice and say, I I just want to do what you're doing. That's what I want to do. And I'm like, yeah, but I the only reason I'm like set up for this and I've got like a hard skin and the confidence to do it and also can write, you know, pitch documents and like handle my finances is because I've got nearly 10 years worth of sort of working in quite corporate environments. And actually that was like proper boot camp because you have to deal with horrible bosses and you've got to deal with like colleagues that drive you up the wall and you've got to you know, commute in every morning and, and, you know, it's, it's really luxurious now what I do. I find it's such a privilege to write for a job. Like I will never, ever take that for granted, but I felt like I needed to get real experience under my skin. And so I, I want, that was my path. I wanted to do that. Um, and I don't recommend people like sticking that out for a long time for the sake of it. Of course not, but different experiences can add to your experience when you go at it alone but um yeah so I worked in PR I've worked in marketing I then went and worked in journalism and then all along the side of those jobs I always had something on the side and um from about, about 2009 that was having a blog which as you know wasn't like a moneymaker thing at the beginning but kind of crazily turned into that sort of thing <laughs> um and then And then now it's sort of history is repeating itself because I started a podcast that I think shocked me the same amount as my blog did when that started becoming a mini business because I didn't know that I could make, you know, a salary from having a podcast. I love that it shocked you. I love that. Yeah, it really did. But this is the funny thing is, I think when you do something with no pressure attached to it, you're sort of like, well, I've got a job. So I'm just going to go and do this side thing because... I don't need the money. And also I love doing it. Yep. You have no pressure. You have no sort of expectations for it to take off or be this like crazy, amazing thing. And so you really just go into it, putting a lot of energy behind it because you just love doing it. And then when people ask you kind of, how did you do that? Or what should I do? It's a totally different thing. It's quite jarring because actually you've got someone saying, I've got a budget and I want to launch this project. Yeah. But you're like, well, I, I didn't come at it with, kind of with all of these expectations so now we're discussing what your logo is going to look like and when you're going to launch it and how many episodes should you do and how long should it be and I'm like oh these are these are the things that I just worked out by myself I just did it Um, and I think there's a lot to be said for just doing it and not overthinking things
0: and maybe do you think there's something in where it comes from does it matter if you are coming at it purely as a I want this to be a profitable endeavor versus I'm doing this for the fun of it or for
1: the love of it at first. Yeah, I was thinking about this the other day and I think the power of a side hustle is that you've got room for sort of, um you've got room for growth, but you've got room for errors, you've got loads of room for er- yeah. errors because it's very low risk, you know, it's not the end of the world if it doesn't work out. Whereas I think if you are going into it now thinking, I want to make money as a blogger, I want to be a podcaster, or I want to be, you know, doing a content creation type role on the internet and earning money. I think the upfront investment on that is quite important because I I have a lot of friends who are really successful, for example, on Instagram, um, and they only started their accounts maybe two or three years ago, which I think is quite recent. Mm. But one of those people called Anna who came on my podcast, um, Anna Whitehouse, you probably know her. Yes. Um, Mother Pucker. But she, she admitted on the podcast that she spent around ten thousand pounds on sort of like the design and, and the visuals and the photographer. And, you know, it was like a real, she really wanted to make that work. And she had such an amazing plan and strategy behind it. And a lot of hours
0: tend to go into it as well, don't they? I know people who grow their Instagram but spend eight hours a day at
1: it. Yeah, I don't think people know that, do they? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I really admired her honesty about that because she's a real success story to me. And it, she's proof that you can start... Doing this, you don't have to be someone who started a blog by accident in 2009 mm. like me. <laughs> um, like, of course, you can do it, but I just think it's a, t- it's a bit of a different game. But that's what's interesting, I think, about how quickly things move on and how quickly we all need to be learning.
0: Yeah. And that's kind of where podcasters think of surprised a lot of us. I know it surprised me because I didn't expect it to get the reception it did. Yeah, were you surprised? Yeah, it's really surprised. Like, it really feels like my most engaged channel now out of all Mm. my social media and I kind of imagined it would be much more one-sided than that and I was kind of a bit reluctant because of that yeah but it's had a real resurgence I think would you agree I love it
1: yeah I totally agree and also yeah it's very intimate it's very engaged like you say and I think I can't remember who said it but someone said that radio is the audience of one which I love love that quote it's basically like you're talking to one person at a time instead of broadcasting something to like thousands you know and getting lots of likes all all in one go it's kind of it's very solitary you you do feel like you know the person
0: and it's kind of long-form content has kind of had a resurgence because of it
1: yeah well that was actually one of the reasons I wanted to do it is because I was getting so sick of twitter I was getting (laughs) so sick of um stupid arguments that i would look at and i mean i love twitter don't get me wrong i'm still on it all the time it's my favorite but i was just like god this is the most rubbish platform ever for having conversations yes. it's great for a little witty one-liner but how can you explain who you actually are on twitter you just can't everything will be taken out of context you can take a tweet about a million trillion different ways and so i really wanted to kind of yeah have, bring back the art of real conversation. And also I'm, I think by, by, you know, just naturally we are ourselves on, on a podcast because of course we are. It's our voice. It's how much more authentic can you truly be than on a podcast? So true. Because you might be performing a little bit maybe, but it's way more intimate than radio. I'm not myself on radio really, because you're in a studio and there's bright lights and the host is really far away from you and you feel like you can't say anything Truly honest. Whereas I've had guests on my podcast where you just you just forget the microphones there, and actually at the end we're a bit like, oh, we're a bit bit scared about putting that up to be honest. (laughs) The vulnerability hangover. Yes, you just forget what you've said. You're so honest, but you know, my first few episodes of the podcast I did on Skype, and and I love them, and and actually I know that you you do all yours on Skype, and I think some of my most popular ones are on Skype but essentially you are just publishing a conversation that you've had with a friend on Skype (laughs) it's just it's really real and and I love that that podcasting is so is so huge now and I do think I started at a good time started mine in sort of April 2016 Mm -hmm. which was before you know literally everyone sort of thought wow I'm gonna get on this yeah feel lucky that I slipped in at a good time as well
0: well I think you should take maybe a bit of the credit as well for everybody thinking well I'm gonna get on that especially in our kind of sphere
1: do you think I don't know about that I think I I really was inspired by my favorite American podcasts and a lot of American journalists. So I copied them. <laughs> and then in I think in the UK, it was just slow to slow to um, to to take slow take up. And then um, and then everyone just got on board because also it's so easy, so easy to make, which I love. Um, yeah. People kind of think, God, you've done so many. How do you do it? But I'm like, it's really simple. It's just talking. Um, yeah, anyone can do it. That's the joy of it.
0: It actually is way less labor intensive, I would say than a really styled Instagram post or Certainly than like a vlog or something, even a blog post, maybe. Because, yeah, you just sit and talk and then it's kind of done.
1: Yeah. And the editing I find really fun because... I find, um, I don't know if you edit yours or, do you edit yours?
0: I don't do it myself anymore. No, no,
1: no I, um, I really enjoy it. And I've actually had loads of people offering to do it for me. And I'm like, no, I, I find it quite therapeutic. And I get to sort of tell a bit of a story with it. And I get to re-listen to it. I don't know. It's just, um it's okay. my favorite medium for sure.
0: I think as well, like there's an interesting movement back to this authenticity because you can be anybody you want to be on Instagram, it's quite easy to portray any life that you want people to believe you have and even to an extent on stories but now we're seeing a lot more live and we're seeing a lot more push for live broadcasting kind of across Facebook as well and that feels like a similar thing that people are ready for real life real conversation again
1: yeah well I've got to say I really find your stuff very useful and interesting because Instagram is my least kind of natural platform for me I find that I guess maybe it's because at the beginning Twitter was like the place to be when you had a blog yeah. so I think I've kind of got more of a following on there but then I find with Instagram like I really put put it off for so long I just found like well I'm a writer so I I what do I know about pictures like I'm not a photographer <laughs> I I'm really bad at taking pictures I've got better because I've got a Google Pixel which I love But if I was going to say which one am I least confident on, it would be Instagram. But I I actually find it such a lovely place to be.
0: It's the community, right? The community is amazing.
1: It is. Yeah, it's just lovely. It's like a one big group hug, like cup of tea. Yes.
0: Whereas Twitter is like, there's definitely sharks in that cup of tea.
1: Yeah. Swimming. Yeah, definitely.
0: But like, I've literally like, I think I've only ever had one vaguely trolling comment on Instagram in my entire time on there.
1: Yeah, that's so interesting. Me too. I think I've had one horrible comment and it actually wasn't even that horrible. It was just someone being a bit honest, actually. And I I was like, oh, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was great. But yeah, the Instagram Live uh, functionality is something I'm really interested in because I feel like because it's such a nice community, I might try it because actually I know that it'll just be loads of nice people watching.
0: It's so nice. Yeah, I mean, I will warn you, there is a weird thing with Instagram Live, this is probably useful for everybody, where if you hit like the equivalent of Explore, where it's like one of the top videos, live videos in that moment, it gets kind of promoted to everybody, and that seems to include a lot of prepubescent teenage boys who shout at you oh. to get your boobs out. Oh no. A lot of them. So I made a list, it's on my blog, I'll link to it in the show notes, but of keywords that you can go in and add as like blocked words that people can't like say to you it. in live because otherwise it absolutely floods the comments and you can't see all the real people you just get aubergine emojis so but other than that
1: oh my god that's so good because of you the other day I've realized that I can hide stuff
0: yes on your
1: explore you're like thank you for that I had no idea well like it will kind of hide I guess it's just less of but that's that's fine I'm happy with that it's got to program it a little bit
0: to know what we want.
1: But yeah, so I, I, I hope that we're we're getting more um authentic in the, in the way we are. And actually, I feel like we're getting to know each other better because whenever I see someone do an Instagram live, I, it's kind of like with podcasting. I feel like, oh, I know you a bit better now. And that's really nice.
0: Right. And that's a real connection. Like I think about people who I've unfollowed over the years who I've kind of known on a really superficial level but never really it's never got any deeper Mm. but if I watch someone do a live or if I hear their podcast that takes it that next step deeper where I'm like okay I feel like we're friends now I feel like I know you
1: yeah that's so true
0: do you have a favorite platform then is Twitter your favorite social media
1: yeah I would say Twitter is I think it's because actually at the very beginning when I started my podcast um Twitter DMs was basically the way that I got in touch with people um so it's how I got um like my first guest with Liz Gilbert it was how I Arsalina Dunham on the podcast actually, and just some really amazing people. I because I'd been on Twitter for so many years and and really invested a lot of time in connecting with people on there. I just felt like I had a wealth of people who I could just DM because we were following each other. So that was great, and I and that's why I feel like Twitter has given me quite a lot. But you know, it's got some real downsides as well. I really hate how much they just let abuse just slip mm-hmm. through the net and how they don't really kick people off very often even though they're being terrible people so yeah and also on the whole I think I've just tried to go on sort of social media less Um, I'm actually finding myself way more on Instagram scrolling through it I never really used to scroll but I've become a bit addicted to Instagram and I need to stop stories or grid pictures just everything and I would and I would hear people say oh I'm a bit addicted to Instagram and I'd be like oh god that's so sad like I just never I didn't go on there that much because I just didn't really feel that connected to it and I'm that person now so I've got to rein it in I think set yourself a timer that's the only way. <laughs> how, how do you stop yourself from mindlessly scrolling through it
0: uh I think how do I I don't know if I do stop myself I just flit so I go and I do a little bit of a scroll then I go to Twitter then I check my emails it's that reward center where you've got new stuff to see
1: yes yeah
0: I constantly feed that it's not good
1: yeah I'm quite good now at knowing if I'm just kind of in a bit of a weird you know um what's the word bit of a daze you know when you just know that your eyes have glazed (laughs) over a bit and you're like okay I need to get off this now
0: (laughs) did I see I think you tweeted earlier this year maybe about kind of Slowing down a little bit and letting yourself take a step back from things a bit more. Am
1: I I remembering that right? Yeah, I think I did. Yeah, I think that was one of my kind of unofficial New Year's resolutions because I haven't got any goals per se for this year. I'm just sort of they're quite loose. But one of them, yeah, was just kind of the thing is, and I know that you talk about this, and I love that you do. When when, for example, you have a good month, and you know, doing this job can be great sometimes. In terms of, you know, you do a project and you get paid a certain amount and it's maybe enough to see you through for a while. Mm -hmm. And it's great. You work in a very different way to a monthly salary. It's kind of one month can be totally different to another. And so I just kind of wanted to do this thing where if I've had a good month, I like to sort, sort of think of it as... Earning money and earning well, kind of that to me equals freedom or time off, or that's that's meant to be a positive thing that means you can have more time to be creative, or maybe that means I can go away somewhere and try and think up an idea for a crazy novel that I want to write in five years' time. Like it's meant to allow you more breathing space. And I just found myself like filling up my diary nonstop, and I just sort of thought, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna space things out a bit and sort of, you know. take this this good fortune that i'm having at the moment and sort of use it to free up my mind a bit. So yeah, i'm i'm getting really good at saying no and that's something that i'm used to be awful at. Um i'm a real people pleaser deep down. Oh really? I would not have guessed yeah, that. I know i used to be kind of one of those people that would i would go for a coffee with someone for no reason like i knew that i was getting nothing out of it and i'm not talking about like a student or or someone who genuinely i would go and meet because I know there's nothing I can get from it. I'm just doing it because I want to. It was more people like picking your brain yeah. or, and and I just would come home from these meetings and be like, why did I, why did I do that? That really has made me feel awful because I've just given my heart and soul away for nothing again. And you play along,
0: right? You're sat there go like pretending that yeah. you don't know, even though you do.
1: Yeah. And it, oh my God, it got really bad at one point. This is like a few years ago, but I remember like, Going and meeting someone who wanted some advice, like near their office, because it was like easier for them. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, what is wrong with me?" Because I just, no one taught me this stuff. I was yeah. just like, oh, "I like meeting people. Cool, yeah, sure. I've got a free afternoon. I want to be
0: helpful. Yeah."
1: And also, maybe a part of me was like flattered that someone wanted to talk about, you know, this stuff and ask for advice. And I love talking about it, so why not? But yeah, it got to the point, and I think you know, obviously becoming busier and having more projects and having more on and also getting more emails as you grow in your career you start you have to start having boundaries that are just very hard and very kind but very firm so yeah I've got really really um, good at that now and I also have people now who I guess I work with who are part of my sort of team who you know I can have people like in between me and the work now to sort of make sure that um, I'm just doing my fair share and things aren't getting out of hand or I'm not getting dragged into things or wasting my time as much. So that's good.
0: That's nice. That does make a difference to be able to go, do you know what, I'm bad at this part of my job, so I'm going to let someone else handle it for me, like my account. Exactly. Yeah,
1: it's been life changing. Oh my God, <laughs> <Yes>. 100%.
0: <laughs> but it does take courage, I think, I don't know if I'm there, to, to say no to stuff. And trust that more opportunities will still come.
1: Yeah, definitely. That's That That was the hardest bit, really, is how can you say no to something when, you know, the money's quite good and, you, you know, it'd be quite fun. But I think there comes a point where you just really have to go with your gut. And um, I think i think all i think everyone is good at, at having gut instincts yeah. but um but i think we we forget that, that that's there sometimes to kind of guide us and i and i do know within a second or two seconds like i'll read an email and i will know if i want to do it or not yeah. but that's something that over the years i've really um honed and really kind of practice
0: you have to screw it up a few times don't you to go oh yeah I knew I was screwing up
1: (laughs) yeah Yeah. and you can also like plan ahead a little bit more now so if I have something that comes in and it's a really great opportunity but it's gonna be it's gonna take me away out of London for like a few days and the travel arrangements are really long and I don't know there's all these factors that come into it and I just think it's about being really smart with your time I just I just really weigh up sort of how it's going to fit into my week and yeah, I mean, it's all these things that I guess sometimes you it's things that you just have to do to know. Yep, there's no shortcuts. Very much based on instincts now rather than here are my top three rules.
0: Yes. And I think for me, like, it was kind of discovering self-worth in that way of, like, my time is worth a lot yeah. to me, to my family, and also to my business. And so I have to justify everything I'm going to use that time for away from those things. Yeah like travelling or, you know, going to these meetings that don't turn into anything.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. And I guess, you know, our jobs are based around being good with tech. So I'm like, well, why am I not using it in a way that makes my life easier? Because you very rarely need to go and trek across London to go and meet someone for a coffee because you, first of all, you can just sort of chat on Skype and things like that. And if you really do need to be in the room, which of course you do sometimes, like I just went, I went and actually had a meeting with my editor about my book a few days ago. And that was just like the one meeting I had that day. So it, you know, it did take me like 40 minutes to get there, had the meeting 40 minutes home. I would only do that now for very very specific reasons like I needed to see her in person because we needed to talk about um the book and I wanted to like see her reactions I wanted to see like her, her body language like I just I needed to be physically with her that was really important for me but a lot of things when they're very practical kind of Let's just get this done. You don't need to go no. and meet someone in person. I don't think.
0: In fact, I even get a bit offended if if clients are like, "Can I phone you?" I'm like, "Can we just email?" Because <laughs> like, that's just a whole step of extra, like, energy expenditure if I have to speak.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I, and I know there's a lot of people who would probably disagree because they'd be like, "No, like human contact is yeah. the most important thing," but. Depends I don't know I really like staying in my flat <laughs>
0: yeah I did not become a blogger to go to meetings and talk to people face to face that's
1: <laughs> <laughs> you've, I think you've got the art of, of kind of I love that like the fact that you can make a really good living sort of on your own terms I think it's very empowering
0: yes it is and I feel like it's something that was not really an available option to a lot of us until the internet made it so
1: yeah and I think the last thing on the list of like This talking about this stuff is just removing the stigma from it because I still think that there is unfortunately a little bit of a oh how I like I feel uncomfortable that you do that that's not a real job and all that stuff I know it's getting better and I do think that a lot of people don't think that way anymore but I think there's like there's still that little weird feeling about it with some people
0: that is my whole family can't get their heads around it and don't feel comfortable with it even now and I know like a lot of the women who take my courses, like their husbands, their partners, whoever they're with, quite often doesn't understand it and doesn't think it c- could be a real job for them. And they're kind of fighting that uphill struggle because it's their dream. But the person they're closest to is telling them kind of in their nicest way because they're just trying to keep them safe but telling them it's not possible.
1: Mm, that's, that is, you know, it's really sad because that is a lot of what people say to me when um, whenever I do events. There's always a handful of people that come up at the end and they'll always say, I really wish I could do this. But, you know, my parents, they really don't agree with it. Or, you know, I have a friend who really has told me it's not possible. And I'm like, why? Why are we saying this to each other? Yeah. But also, you know, the the idea of what's possible to each generation, I think, is changing. Because when you think of, you know, what fame is now for a 14-year-old, like a YouTuber really is a total rock star to yeah. them. Like my little nephew, Uh, WhatsApp me the other day he's only 10 he was just like um Auntie Emma do you know any YouTubers and he was just (laughs) so excited that I might know one and um it's just you know there's millions of kids out there who won't know if we said someone off the BBC you know that's not fame to them Guardian journalists no idea exactly and so there's this massive shift going on where it's almost like it doesn't have this traditional marker of success, so it doesn't matter. But it's like, no, it's still just as important. It was funny, like watching TV over Christmas, I didn't know who anyone was on TV, actually.
0: No, I don't think I would, actually.
1: On the mainstream sort of shows, I just thought, oh, God, I don't know who these people are. And they, But then they weren't putting anyone on who was younger than maybe 35.
0: It is interesting. It feels like, I mean, I guess every generation always thinks that things have changed radically for them, but... There does seem to be a a real shift, a real divide between kind of the young and the old, the internet and the pre-internet
1: i wonder if they'll get to a point though where you know the stamp of uh, the stamp of approval has been given for like this sort of thing and then your family will be like oh my god wow didn't realize you were doing all that you're like yeah i've been doing it for a long time
0: (laughs) probably that day will have to come i think and like obviously we're generalizing and i'm sure there's people listening right now who are of different generations and absolutely are on board and get it so the there's definitely movement within those boundaries anyway.
1: Yeah. And also, yeah, it's so true because I think there's so many myths around generations and they're just not true. It it doesn't mean that you're more tech savvy if you're like the younger generation at all. Um, in fact, there's so many studies that are saying that over 50s are basically like the best early adopters of new tech because they're the ones going out and buying new products. Like I don't have an Alexa, but my dad does, you know, that sort of thing.
0: Because they've got the disposable income and the time maybe. Yeah
1: exactly so I think yeah it's it's a really interesting conversation though because I think in the media there is just this really bizarre um sort of I don't know everything's like split up into sort of these categories where actually we should just think of it as media as a whole
0: yeah like the Daily Mail love to hate anything blogging Instagram I mean they love to hate everybody of course but that's now one of their categories that they hate is bloggers
1: yeah it's very strange
0: (laughs) I put out kind of at the end of the year I put out on Twitter and then I put it on Instagram as well what I'd earned that year
1: oh yeah I saw that
0: because I just I put it out on Twitter and I was kind of oh I'm not sure and the response I got was all of those people who were saying I didn't know it was possible for normal people to make a living this way and to make a good living this way and people messaging me saying I've been scared to leave my corporate job because I thought it was going to mean I had to make less money and yeah it felt like it was kind of working on that boundary a little bit that people have that idea that it's not a real job because I was able to say, well, I had a real job and now I'm earning like six times more than I did at that real job. So which one's more real to you?
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think talking about money is really important because, you know, a lot of people... I guess, would look at a lot of other people's lives, especially on Instagram, and to just think, oh, well, you're really privileged or you had a lot of money maybe yeah. coming from somewhere else. Like who can travel the world and Instagram it? So I think to have these stories of actually real self-made success financially from doing this sort of work is is really good because making even a fraction of that is just, that's enough. You know, yeah. a lot of people really want to um, want to have more freedom. And so many people... I've spoken to and also in some of the research for the book, you know, people are likely to take a small pay cut for a little bit more freedom. So I, I bet people would do it for even maybe slightly less than their salary anyway. But to know that you can make even more is just a huge bonus.
0: Yeah, well, it comes back to that kind of the old definitions of success. But maybe that's a bridge at the moment for getting people's minds around the idea that these things can be real jobs. Yeah. Um, but I definitely think it's, yeah, like if you ask me what I love about my job, the money would not make the top five things. Money is just security and it's freedom, but it's not happiness. The happiness comes from doing what you love and speaking to people you admire and making connections and being creative and all those things.
1: Definitely. And and money's such an emotional one because, I mean, I was thinking about it the other day and, and I was thinking... Um, it was really jarring with me that I wasn't in this job for the money, but I also felt really good when I was earning good money. It was like, oh, am I allowed to feel these two things? Because there is nothing better. There's no better feeling sometimes than when you send an invoice for something you've done and you get paid really well for it. Like I know money doesn't mean success, but we can't we can't lie and say that it doesn't make you feel good when someone pays you what you're worth. And I think um, we need to we need to make sure that we aren't saying to people, especially young women who we know from, unfortunately, the stats around women not asking for what they're worth or not asking for more or asking for a pay rise. We need to not say, oh, money doesn't matter. Yeah. It does. It does matter because it is an indicator of your work's worth in the world.
0: That's so true and it's a lot
1: of fun <laughs> yeah and it and it means you can then go and do other things so yeah it's a, it's a kind of fine line isn't it between um sort of celebrating getting paid really well but also being like i don't need it so yeah. Yeah, I love these conversations. <laughs> I feel like we're just getting started talking about money, though. It's really weird. It's like, why have no one spoken about this before? I
0: know. I think that's the whole issue. I don't know. But it's because it's terrifying. I felt genuinely frightened putting that figure out there. And I don't know what I was scared of, really.
1: I bet. Yeah. Well, it just proves that I think a big emotion for a lot of people is this feeling of guilt it's almost like you're guilty if you've got loads you're guilty if you're you know not not doing the best you can do with your money not spending it in the right way guilty if you don't have any it's almost like we just need to do away with that with that feeling because we shouldn't be we shouldn't feel bad for
0: money doesn't have morality there's no morality attached to it it's just a thing exactly there's no good or bad
1: no I thought it was really good you did that
0: Well, no backlash yet. Let's wait and see. (laughs) So I guess the final thing I was going to ask you about then, because I always ask everybody, is about self-doubt, which we've touched on all the way through. But do do you still get self-doubt? Is that still something that shows up in your life?
1: Yes, definitely. Oh, my God, who doesn't feel self-doubt whenever they're working on something? But the thing is, for me, is self-doubt. It's always been quite a positive thing in my mind because and I'm talking about like small bits of self-doubt I'm not talking about like crippling sort of I can't do it self-doubt though just those moments of kind of is this good or yeah. what am I doing or shall I just tear this off and put it in the bin <laughs> um but I think you kind of need that otherwise you'd be a bit strange you'd be a bit I don't know what's the word like me- megalomaniac is yeah. that a word yeah like kind of you know if I'm writing a book and I think it's wonderful on the first draft You know, it's not going to be a very good book, really. So I think self-doubt for me, I just use as a marker of kind of, you know, taking a step back, making it better, just working out what those niggles are about, talking it out with someone. Like I've got an amazing literary agent who, I mean, God bless any sort of agent in this world because they are there to basically give you a pep talk. Is that Abigail? Yeah, Abigail Bergstrom. She's incredible. And I think it's it's one of those things where obviously her job's like 90 percent, you know, being amazing, badass. But like 10 percent of her job is kind of dealing with self-doubt from people because writers have self-doubt <laughs> like, and, and everyone has self-doubt. So. So, yeah, I, I, I use it as just like a way of navigating what I'm doing. But I also think that by doing the work, because I'm just quite I just kind of get on with it. I think the work for me makes me less likely to feel imposter syndrome now because I feel like I can look back at what I've done over the last like eight years or so and be like, well, actually, you know, I I don't need to feel as doubtful as I did when I was like 21 because I feel like when I get an opportunity now, I'm like, well, I kind of feel like I should be then because I've been doing this long enough.
0: And here's all the evidence that you can do it
1: yeah and also um I don't know if anyone else does this but I have this folder in my emails which I call what have I called it I think I've called it like warm and fuzzies (laughs) (laughs) which is like nice things that people have said to me and it's just I don't look at it like every night and think how amazing (laughs) I am but I if I'm feeling self-doubt like proper self-doubt like the self-doubt where you're like shall I just quit everything and not do this anymore fake
0: my own death and run away
1: which sometimes happens. Yeah. And you can't plan for those moments as well. They come at really annoying times. I don't know if you find it's like, I'm about to take on this brilliant, amazing thing. I should be feeling really good about myself, but I crippled with (laughs) self-doubt. Yeah. I just look in it and sort of remind myself that actually, you know, I've done, I've done a good thing this year or I've done a a few small things that are good. So yeah, I'm, I'm dealing with self-doubt in a way better way than I used to. And I think um, you just need to make sure that you keep reminding yourself that you are doing this for a reason and you're totally in your own lane. I think comparison brings up a lot of self-doubt. Yes. But comparison is something, actually, I recently did an episode on my podcast with a comparison coach called Lucy yes. Sheridan. It's one of my most successful ones, which uh, so good. is really cool because she's very practical and amazing. But, you know, we really need to learn how to tackle it and If you're ever feeling like real pangs of comparison, it's just time to kind of have a look at why you're feeling that way. Because really, if you're feeling amazingly good in yourself, you you will you are happier for other people. But it's it's easier said than done.
0: Yeah, and again, that kind of comes back to your self belief and your self worth in order to. Oh my goodness, it's it's a vicious cycle that none of us were prepared for by the whole education system.
1: I know, and it totally depends on your mood. I think to when you will feel more like you're comparing than others because some days I can look at something and be like genuinely that doesn't bother me and I'm just so happy for that other person and then some days it's just like oh my god that's really bringing out quite an ugly side of me but all it's doing is shining a light on something I really want and I haven't been honest with myself that I want so I think this is the year for me of kind of using those feelings as just useful feelings i think jealousy is a really useful feeling i think comparison is useful and i think self-doubt is useful um actually i've been reading this book but i haven't got very far in it uh yet but it's called the power of negative emotions oh and it's so it's all about kind of all these feelings that we we kind of have and then feel really ashamed and then we feel like we spiral into self-doubt and shame again because we <laughs> jealous and you know they're horrible feelings and then we adopt
0: vices to get away from feeling them
1: exactly and then you just hate yourself even more instead I like to just turn it on its head and try and find the positive in it (laughs)
0: like it well I guess it's very mindful it's like leaning into that feeling and and seeing what it's all about instead of yeah. running away from it and not
1: learning that lesson definitely just find it interesting instead it's like oh I'm really jealous of that person for getting that thing that's so interesting because yeah. they've just written a play did I ever <laughs> want to write a play oh maybe I did yeah <laughs> random example but you know what I mean I
0: totally do and I now want to go and make a warm and fuzzy email folder I'm literally going to go and do that now David. everybody should I hope everyone listening is like off to go and do it
1: I feel so zen on your podcast I feel like I'm just kind of very relaxed I hope that um, sharing the wisdom yeah I hope it's been useful
0: it's I think it's going to be super useful and so if people are keen to hear more from you where can they find you
1: so I'm on twitter I mean, all the time. It shouldn't be. I'm trying to delete the app from my phone, actually. um But yeah, I'm on Twitter, Emma Gannon at Emma Gannon, and then my website is emmagannon.co.uk. And I'm I'm actually quite good at keeping that pretty much up up to date with things. I've got an events page where I'm doing like in real life events, and then also my podcast tab on there is everything you need to know. And then my book, The Multi- Hyphen Method, which is, I, I feel like I can't give too much away about it, but hopefully you've got a taster for it on this podcast. But um, that is available for pre-order on Amazon at the moment.
0: And I will stick links to all of that as well so people can click over and get it ordered.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So links to all of Emma's work, as well as the various things that we chatted about today, are all in the show notes at meandolacouk forward slash podcast 37. We're both on Twitter, far too much, so you could swing by there or over on Instagram and let us know what you thought about the show and anything that stuck with you afterwards. And remember to like and leave a review in your podcast app if you're enjoying these programs, because that helps other people find it and helps me to keep going. I hope you are having a great week and I will see you soon.